Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. How are you? Oh, hello. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good, you know. <clears throat> Trials, uh, trials and tribulations of Goldberg's Garage. I, I get it. You're in there. Uh, I do have a couple questions. First off, we were just chatting it, and uh, I, I we got your comments about the still some of the sound issues, and there's a uh, the guys are going to come back down that helped you out with the sim and, and get over it. Said it. Get like, over it. This is this is all get we can do. Get over it. This is all we can do for now. Get uh, over it. Uh. I got to ask little update uh, on uh, Gage's baseball. Um, their killer team that did great. I saw you guys kind of last minute organize the parade for the team and the community and the bus and the police escort. And and I, I don't know that we could give it away last week, but now we can. It was like, as we were doing the podcast, you were getting calls from the chief of police going, Hey, what can we do? And you guys did something. You guys pulled it off. We pulled it off. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, very last minute. Uh, it was a uh, send off for the boys going to the state finals or state semifinals. And uh, yeah, thanks to everyone in the community. They, they all turned out. It was a, it was a great event. Uh, the boys went up to Austin area and uh, unfortunately they lost the semifinal series and didn't advance, but they made it further than their school has ever made it in the history. So um, big kudos to the kids. They had a wonderful season. <clears throat> Nobody ever thought they were going to do what they did. And uh, it was awesome, man. It was, it was really cool. Um, crappy part is in the final game, we walked 10 guys and hit four batters. And so there was no way we were going to win that game, but, <laughs> but it was a killer ride, man. And uh, you know, the, the season is over, but summer season just began. <laughs> so tomorrow so we head to Dallas. Yeah. For for baseball or now where does football fit in? I I really don't know where football fits in at this point. Uh football fits in in between the baseball games throughout the summer. And um, you know, it's maybe... not gonna be that sustainable to do both sports and you know, for the summer, but when school starts, it's like you you know from your mouth to God's ears. Uh if yeah. I could if I could uh impress upon that sentiment to gauge, then it would be fantastic. But I um Yeah. I listen, I, I, I get it and how far they've come this season with baseball, I, I get that everybody's everybody's super pumped, right? All the kids are really pumped and motivated and uh, you know, but you know, I guess just let them be kids. Just let them be kids for a while. Just just let them continue to be kids. I know there's a lot of thought about like college and and NFL and and you know college football and baseball. And I was like, I mean, 
it's easier for me to say this than for you and Wanda. And that's I'm like, fuck it. Let him do what he wants. He's going to be a kid for a while. And he had a great season. So just celebrate it. But uh, it's tough. It's tough. But you want to say that we've said that for the last couple of years, but this is going into his football season of his senior year. And it's the last chance he's got to be recruited. And you'd want him to be as, as physically ready and mentally ready for football as humanly possible taking into consideration that he already missed spring football because of baseball. Um, but, you know, I, that's that's a perfect world. And if I could write a script in Hollywood, then that's, what, that's how it would go. But the fact is that, you know, he loves baseball. He just absolutely loves it. So. He, he always has. You know, when I was when, – when you were still down here in Southern California, like when we were just talking about doing the podcast uh, – you know, I came down, we visited, we hung out for a bit. We went to the batting cages. Gage was still, a, he was a little kid, went to the batting cages. And uh, I don't know, it's like, it. you know, he was he was a kid. So at the time, you know, you're playing video games more and you're doing this and that. So he was a little reluctant to go to the batting cage. But when he was there, he did well. He was performing well. But he was, you know, but he kind of not kicking and screaming, but it was a little bit like, eh, it's just not really on my mind right now to go to the batting cage. Uh, but he did well. He had some natural talent uh, as as a as a kid. Um, and now, you know, now that he's now he's a big kid. <laughs> the kid, the kid was catch was catcher of the state was MVP catcher of the state tournament in yeah. Texas. That's pretty damn good. You know, so yeah, it's hard to go. Yeah, okay, kid. Now hang up your baseball cleats. Get right into football. You know, and if you don't make it football, you can go back to base. It's just, it's just a weird deal, man. There, you it, know, I just, I just got off the phone with Clemson, and Clemson, you know, uh, Sweeney, evidently their head coach loves two sport athletes, so they've got two guys on their football team that are also playing baseball simultaneously. Right. So I, I was going to say, this can't be the first time, you know, a, a kid's been having this dilemma with multiple sports and the coaches and the schools must recognize what's going on. And it probably gives them more ability or more option to to mold the 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 kid into a particular role for them to go. We like you for baseball or we like you for NFL but because you're so well-rounded, such of a, a Swiss, Ar Swiss Army knife of an athlete, <coughs> then maybe we've got more opportunities for you, different positions, different roles in NFL or or baseball. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, the, the only problem with that is you want to get established in both instead of trying to catch up in one and being established in the other. You know, it's – yeah. It's a it's a conundrum, man. You know, uh, there's so many avenues to take, and which one is the right one? There's no real playbook. And, um, at the end of the day, you just gotta do what feels right. And, hey, well, look, it's either way. This is an incredible opportunity. He's in this rarefied air of being a, a you know a a pretty pretty successful high school athlete in multiple sports. You know, uh, but yeah. hey, listen, at some point soon, he's going to have to go back to school, read books. <laughs> do oh, that. yeah. He did, did, did that, but that's the easy part. I mean, he, <laughs> this, this kid's brilliant. He made a straight A student, um, which I don't know. None of that came from me, but um, <laughs> I can barely read. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you know, 
uh, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know who's going to take him to Dallas tomorrow yet. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. There's so many moving parts to this. To uh, this well, uh, good luck, and um, I like getting the updates because it's uh you know, I know Gage, I know what you guys are are doing, and I was in a different position, but there's some similarities with you know, what I was doing back then, it was more on the military side and ROTC and stuff and talking to the Academy, Air Force Academy and what they wanted to do. And then what I wanted to do. And, and, and honestly, like our, our offers didn't really like line up. They were like, we want you to come. And I was like, I not ready for that commitment. (laughs) And, and look, I, I was willing to negotiate. They were a little bit willing to negotiate and uh, it just didn't, just didn't work out, but you know, I'm, I'm happy with the path that, that I took. I'm here doing podcasts. Absolutely. You got to roll the dice, man. You don't Uh, know until you try. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it was all great experiences and it molded me into today, learning leadership skills and, and everything from chain of command and sort of the rank and file of things. And, um, I I think I think sports and military do similar things with discipline and uh and character building that well yeah and and he and he and I had the conversation the other day. Um I mean every single human being sits back and analyzes the situation and goes, Goldberg, you're pushing your son to play football. And I'm really not. I'm pushing my son to experience what I experienced in college. And that's not necessarily on a football team. That's on a team. So whether it's baseball, football, doesn't matter to me. I just want him to experience the camaraderie that I had with the teams that I played on. Um, those are my best friends, you know, to this day. So, yeah. um, and the experiences that I had, the life lessons and, my God, I mean, it was a fantastic experience, and I just want him to uh, to experience that. Whether it's baseball or football, it really doesn't matter to me. I just want him to be part of the team. Yeah, yeah, I totally get it. I couldn't agree more. I think that's, and I think you guys are doing a great job with it. Thank you, because I I don't feel like I am. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I like. I mean, he's he's doing great, and there's there's so many. Uh, I don't know. There's he's he's doing great. You guys are doing great. Um, all right, let's switch gears a little bit. So uh, HRE Open House, their big annual event. We've gone a couple times in the past. Uh, I, Great I event. Man. Yeah, it's and they they put on a big thing and it's a big people kind of forget there's a charity fundraiser and stuff. So they raised a bunch of money for that as well. Um, this year, uh, you know, the, the event, again, was huge. I caught a little bit of rain on the way down, but it, not enough to just, you know, just enough that we just wiping down the cars a little bit while we were there. But for the most part, it was a nice cloud cover. So it wasn't too sunny could being out there all day. And, uh, and it stayed pretty much dry for the event. Um, our friends from Anderson composites had a booth down there and they were at multiple events around the country. So I brought my car down, put it in their booth, uh, and it was it was the only car there on display, which kind of made sense. Uh, there, uh, 
you know, some of their other cars were kind of all around, all around the country. So cool event, but you know, when we put the carbon fiber hood on there, um, last year we put it on there and it has the hood scoop on it and it's kind of functional. It feeds to the cold air kit on a stock Mach one. And we showed the car at a few events like fabulous Fords forever and stuff, um, with the carbon fiber hood, all just carbon fiber. And then for SEMA, I said, Hey, let's do something a little different. It was in their booth again at SEMA. And I said, give me the car back and let me paint it. And as you guys have seen in a lot of the pictures, we painted it like the stock hood. It's the fighter jet gray and it's got the black stripe and the orange pinstripe, but we left the raw carbon fiber up the middle and the Mach 1 logo in the front on the nose is, is kind of reversed out. So it's carbon fiber. And I thought that came out great, but I... I've only driven it a few times to a few places, the car audio shop, Anderson Composites, excuse me, Galpin Autosports. And yeah, up on, on freeway speeds, the hood, it's got a little bit of flex to it. it. It starts to wobble around. And I was trying to keep it, you know, pr- pretty, pretty slow. I mean, I, I, at this point, the carbon fiber hood is expensive, but now we've got all this paint and prep and sanding. Like before, I understand that the guys from from Anderson were like, "All right, you know, it's expensive, but we can swap the hood if it breaks." Uh, but now that it was all done and painted, there's no more swapping of the hood. So i I was like, I've got to put the hood pins in this thing now. I kind of avoided it because I wanted some pictures without the hood pins. I was like, but if I'm going to drive two hours down to you know to Southern California, down to San Diego, whatever Vista area, and back, uh, I I want to I got to get the hood pins in there. So i I looked at Quick Latch, which is the push button ones, and I looked at Arrow Catch, which is kind of the teardrop one with the lever that pops up and. I really like the arrow catch design because um, it can kind of pop up and you can see the pin go in. And so you can kind of set the hood down and catch it. Um, and I I really looked at those. I got a bunch of photos um, from Anderson Composites from online. And uh, I just couldn't. There was kind of two issues with the arrow catch ones is one. I couldn't find a good flat spot on the hood uh, large enough where I felt like that arrow catch panel, that sort of teardrop pa- uh, would, be you know, flush. Would, would be flush. And it would have been fine a little bit like on an angle, but it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be quite f- as flush as I want. And, and I realized most of the photos everybody was sending me are with race cars and cars that are sort of done up for race on the street, right? Big wings and front splitters with the, with the splitter supports, like the the little metal bars, like it had a lot of exposed things on the cars. So the arrow catch kind of fit that theme. And this car doesn't have that. We did that hood real nice, kind of, kind of a stock look to it. And it, you know, if it was just like a raw carbon fiber hood, you can go with it. Cause it's got that racier look. And that wasn't the theme. So, and we talked about turning them sideways. I just couldn't get it. You know, I I put straight edges on there and I made mock-ups and cardboard and I just couldn't get it exactly the way I thought I wanted to. So I went back to Quick Latch and I got their, their, I guess like matte black Cerakote 
uh, push button um, fasteners, the hood pit thing. And, uh, you know, they they look good. They seem to be the right size. I got the 38s, which is uh, kind of in the middle. The smaller ones are like for, for fenders and attaching a wing and stuff. And then the big 50s or what's on the GT500, but the GT500 has them like recessed into the hood so they don't sit on top. It has a, a like a little, like a fraction of an inch recess so it sits more flush, um, which funny enough, um, I'm pretty sure Anderson Composites makes the hoods for Ford for the GT500. Uh, so they knew exactly what was going on. So, you know, I ordered these things up from Jags and uh, got them sent over and they arrived, you know, basically the day before <laughs> uh the event it was on a saturday i got them on friday uh came into the garage and uh i just i spent about i guess i was in for about two hours from start to finish and uh Looked at some placements under the hood, tried to mark it on top of the hood, you know, just measure to see where the, they were going to come through and and got the hole saws, got the pieces to it. And I was like, all right, taped everything up. And I was like, I got one shot on it. The hood's fucking painted and everything at this point. And it's, you know, it's five o'clock at night and I'm going to just try to get this thing done and I got to leave at seven in the morning. So it it, it it's just going to be is what it is, right? Um and honestly, I got to say, it went well, and it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. Um, uh, I watched several videos. I read the instructions, of course, and then I watched several videos to kind of see what everybody else was doing. And I was very patient with, like, once I got where the pins that I wanted and I got the grease out and the tape and and marked the hood and little tiny pilot hole under the the under. So it's two layers to the hood, right? Um uh, but th- the thing that makes it tough is the hood is not flat or smooth on the underside. It's got all kinds of freaking bumps and pockets and stuff. So trying to drill, especially with a with a hole saw, you can't get it straight. So pilot hole is your friend. The small pilot hole is your friend. Absolutely. Um, I got it done on the underside. And you you do a kind of a pilot hole and then you got to use a larger like two and a half inch hole saw, right? Uh, but not go through the upper side of the hood. Oh, <laughs> and uh, so I, I ended up getting that done. Um, and then on the top side, I brought the hood back down again. So on the... The inner layer of the hood, once the two and a half hole was cut out, brought the hood back down again onto the pins, marked it. And then I was like, now I'm putting holes in the hood, right? And on the outside of the hood. So I started with the pilot holes. And so just two small pilot holes because the pin is like, I don't know, it's like an inch, inch and a half in diameter. So at the very worst was like, I'm going to do pilot holes. And if I'm off a little... By the time I do the larger hole, I've got a little bit, I've got about an inch of room to move oh, it. Uh, uh, so I did the pilot holes through the hood and, and it's just, and you're just hearing the carbon fiber just crackling and just making noises. By the way, way easier to cut than metal. So it, it oh, goes yeah. very quickly. 
but it's very messy. You want to use eye protection. You want to use gloves. And I put a towel down or like cardboard in the engine compartment and just throw that shit away because those little tiny particles are like splinters all in your fingers. I'm constantly vacuuming like in the engine compartment and my fingers, right? Like you're you're just vacuuming everything because they're a little pain in the ass. Also, I didn't want to like accidentally rub my eyes or go home and pet the dog and the dog's got the carbon fiber splinters. Like I don't want to be that dick to do all that. So I'm constantly cleaning. So I did the top of the hood. Uh, got the pilot holes, closed it onto the pins, lined up perfectly, um, started to adjust the pin height so I wouldn't screw up the angle. Um, it was all taped off. And then, so I, with the, <laughs> this is where I was getting like kind of nerdy, is on the top of the hood, um, it's on a little bit of an angle. Uh, so I taped it off and then I made like like a tape wall. So the tape stood up like a <laughs> So as I drilled, all the all the pieces would just not go all over the front of the car and under the floor yeah. and the tiles. And I just little made like a little like one inch tall like tape wall like a box, and I screwed. Hey, why not? Drilled in the middle, and honestly, it worked perfectly because not only did it prevent all the the, the shards from sliding down, it was sticky. My little sticky wall was collecting all the pieces. So I peeled the tape off and vacuumed it, and it worked out good. So. I, I, I think if I did it again, I probably would have moved the pins just down a little bit, just like a little bit closer to the front of the hood. But where I put the pins, um, uh, it's where two of the hold downs, you know, the, the radiator core support has that big plastic shroud over the top of it. And it's got these little push pins that you can pop up. So what I did is there was two of these push pins. Um, there's like, I don't know, there's like eight of them that hold it on. And two of them is where I put the the pin to come through the hood. So when I put that plastic shroud back on, I didn't have to cut the shroud or even open up the hole at all. So that plastic shroud is 100% stock, 100% unchanged. All I did was instead of two of those plastic pins, that's where the 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 metal pins go through and it's bolted down. So there's a washer underneath, then the plastic shroud, then a washer on the top with the nut and the pin goes through and it, nice. and it worked out. It worked out perfectly. So after a little bit of adjustment on getting the pin height uh, correct, um, it, it worked great and then drove down there and it was it was much more stable. I was way more confident. Um, the quality of the quick latch, uh, is, is really good. I know there's some really cheap alternatives you can find on, on Amazon and stuff, but pay, pay the, whatever the 200 bucks or something and, and get the right ones. When you close the hood, the pins, the, the button in the middle of those things pops up and that's how you know they are latched. If they don't pop up, it's not completely latched. So you get not just an audible click, you get a visual confirmation. Uh, and when I did it, when I first did it, everything was locked down, but inside the car, the light said the the hood was open. So the sensor wasn't being triggered. So I had to snug everything down just a hair of an inch, a little bit more. And now when I close the hood, you don't slam it. You just set it down, you push on it. 
all three latches snap perfectly almost simultaneously and no right. light on underneath the hood. So it actually worked out. It worked out great. But now I'm kicking around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, kicking around options for underneath the hood. Like as we were showing it, I wasn't too worried about uh, like any heat protection under the hood, any type of liner underneath the hood. Now, there's a couple of options. Um, I've got, you know, like the aluminum foils, the sticky foils, the heat shield, the thicker ones, the, uh, you can put the, you could probably drill in some little holes and, and mount the stock. Uh, uh, what do you call it? the hood liner in there? Um, but I, there's so much like texture, so much shape on the, underneath the hood that I don't know if this is going to be the best solution, but I would really looking into lizard skin, their ceramic spray. And it's, it's got pretty good heat protection. So I think it'll do the job. Um, I think with certain other cars, uh, you may want the foil and maybe in some sections I might do like black foil. So you don't notice it as much, but I think the initial run of this is going to be the lizard skin. So I'm going to lizard skin. I'm going to take the hood off lizard skin underneath it, the ceramic, um, you know, I'll let you know how it goes. I ordered it, got the gun. I've got the, the, the mill meter so I can see how thick get the proper thickness. Um, see how that goes. And then it kind of comes out like a flat black, but that should be be nerve wracking. It's going to be a little nerve wracking, but here's the thing. It's like, it's, it's basically water soluble while it's wet. So if there's some overspray and things are screwed up, you, you can, you can wipe it off and clean it off and stuff. So I'll take the hood off. I'll flip it upside down. I'll tape off the top side and, and, and just kind of give it, give it a shot. Um, um, not a lot of prep. It doesn't even need like a real scuff uh, to it. So I'm just going to wipe it down, clean it, tack cloth it, and, you know, give it a try and, and kind of see how it goes. But look, what I thought is if it doesn't work out the way I want or doesn't look right or comes out like shit or whatever, then eh, fine. I'm just going to end up covering it with like some sort of, you know, the foil version or the gold or the black or whatever, right? There's lots of options for it. But I'm going to give it a try. But um, you know, this, this hood has like the heat extractors on it and it's, and on the stock Mustang, it's got the plastic underneath and the heat extractors are very minimal because of the, where the water flows, all of that's removed on this hood. So when you look at the top of the hood, you look at those little steel grates that are at the top, you see right into the engine compartment. So it's very wide open. So my thought on it is, is a lot of heat extraction from, from those, and if you remember, the hood scoop on that car is functional and it, it pipes through the hood and goes to where the open air element would be. But because I have the turbo kit, what's that doing? That's just bringing cool air into the engine compartment and then out the heat extractors or wherever the, it's going to go. So uh, I'm not as worried about under hood heat as I normally would be if this was just a stock hood, right? Uh, so anyway, that's kind of the thought. I'll put up some photos of the of of uh, of the latches and stuff that I put in. 
I don't think it's that bad. I mean, it's in the the gray. It probably would look a little better if there was like body color, but um, I, I mean, I kind of prefer not having the these hood pins, but uh, it's just you prefer that or your hood flying off, right? I, it just it's worth the precaution, and it turned out to be fairly easy if you take your time and measure a lot and really double check on everything and and don't rush into it. And like I said, I. And I got it done in about in about two hours. And that's just me scratching my head and going back and just double checking a YouTube video going, I don't know if I like the way this guy's doing it and just gave it some thought. And uh, so, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't bad. Um, anyway, I just kind of wanted to get into that a little bit, kind of go through the the obstacle there. But look, made it down, made it back, all worked out fine. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, that was that was my weekend. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, as you were watching baseball. Don't, don't um, get me while I was down at HRE, they had a bunch of the TVs down there where they were streaming the 24 hours of Lamar. And um uh interesting to see. I didn't I didn't get to spend too much time watching it. Um I know we had some friends out there that were that were racing in the event. Um that uh, uh, Simon Pagano, IndyCar driver, you know, he's a friend of the show. Uh, he was back out there, but not with Meyer Schenk. I think he was with a different team, and he had an opportunity to to run the car. Now, uh, at some point, the car had some catastrophic fair mechanical failure, so they weren't able to finish. And it ended up placing them like 37th because they did a lot of, of the event. But um, I think they were doing really well. Uh, and then I don't know. I've just been uh, watching some of the clips and reading up about this battle with Toyota and Ferrari. Now Ferrari hasn't been at Le Mans in a long time, and they haven't won in 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 forever uh, as an overall. By the way, if you had like I think it was like 1968 or something like that that uh, Ferrari won overall for the last time, and you had that Ferrari, and you know it's it's 145 million dollars and now that ferrari's back and they won overall now you can't go this is the last ferrari overall lamar winner ever do you think you just knock like 10 million dollars off the value of your car it's like oh it's only worth 135 million now (laughs) i don't know if that guy is too worried about it but i don't um, think so actually it's uh i think it was like two years ago um Adam Kroll and I were walking the lawn at Pebble Beach and we ran into Wayne Carini and we were just talking. We're like, Wayne, what's the coolest car at the lawn right now? And he's like, that Ferrari right over there. It's the last one to win Le Mans overall for a Ferrari. And uh, fast forwarded today and, and now there's some, you know, prototype car Ferrari that wins Le Mans. But so Toyota was out there. They were doing well. They were kicking ass and, uh, they had some mechanical issues with the car. They brought it in. They hit a squirrel. They hit a massive squirrel. And the, that squirrel, unfortunately, did not survive. Um, and neither did the car. Uh, f- screwed that car up. Did way more damage than they thought. Um, and the, the driver was like, I think I hit a squirrel. And came in. He's like, my arrow is off. Like, I'm losing lap time. Because... That's I don't know. I guess you hit anything at 200 miles an hour, it's going to feel like a rock. Even if it's a cricket. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be going to be pretty crazy. So, um I, I wish I got a... How long is it going to take you to um, get to the NASCAR that took place in that? that is that did you get a look at that? At I all? did. It was I I cool. I saw the clips of it and the sound of it and people that were there were going 
the NASCAR, uh, the stock car that was out there, I think Jensen Button was one of the drivers on it too. Yeah, and Hendricks prepped car. And uh, they were like, it it changed the dynamics of Le Mans because the sound was was nuts awesome. on that car, and it just it sounded cool as shit. And then, you know, Ford took the opportunity to to debut their, uh, I think it's GT4 race car that's going to race at Le Mans next year. And um, interesting because they said it's going to have a 5.4 liter uh, mod motor in it. Um, mm-hmm naturally aspirated somewhere in the five to 600 horsepower range for that particular class. Nice. Uh, so that came out pretty cool. And I think they went to Troy Lee from Troy Lee designs on the livery for it. So, um, That'll be interesting. yeah, so that was kind of cool that to see what they came up with, with the, with the, uh, debut of, of that race car out there. So, um, yeah, that was kind of cool. I'll have to go back and watch more, more clips from the, uh, from Lama. Um Corvette did well. Yeah. Seemed like uh uh Cadillac. Um <laughs> Cadillac did well, man. Yeah. Uh so speaking of uh of Mustangs and, and uh Shelby Cobra, you have your your Cobra replica, but but with the crazy engine in it. We went for a ride in it. Is that a Hendrick engine? That is a Ernie Elliott engine. Actually, it's a Bill Elliott prepped. It came out of one of his NASCARs during the yeah. pri- prior year that, that Ernie and uh, um, it wasn't Superformance. It was uh, can't remember the other livery that did the did the package with Ernie, but he did. He built ten of them with with NASCAR motors. Yeah, and I I remember the story vaguely in that the the engine came about first and then you were like, just put it in the stupidest thing you can think of and put it in that engine. Like the craziest well, thing. Yeah. I mean, he had already, they had already made a deal where they put 10 of the cup motors that Bill had raced in the prior year in 10 of the, like I said, it wasn't Superformance. It was another company. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but. Um, and, and they came up with 10 of them, Tony Pendleton, uh, Terry Pendleton and a couple other of the Braves got one. I got one and I don't know who got the other six, but they only made 10 of them. And I figured, Hey, it's crazy enough. Why not get one? Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool car and it's fun. Um, all right. Well, speaking of Cobras, uh, the Dragon Snake, if you've heard of this, uh, some of you guys might have seen it at, at Meekum last year. So the Dragon Snake was uh, a Shelby Cobra that Shelby made for drag racing. It wasn't a street legal uh, deal. And I think five of them were made at the factory. Four of them had a 289 and one got the 427. Uh, and then I think there were some converted cars that Shelby did as well. So uh I think I think there were about 10 total cars. So four factory built and then Cobras were sent to Shelby to, to get converted into the drag race car. So uh Is a it 65 up for auction or something? Yeah so one um one came up for auction last year at uh at Meekum uh in 22 
and it sold for $1.375 million. I think it was the bright purple one with the little hard top on it. Um, just a cool drag race piece because it's a Cobra with like, like Mickey Thompson drag radials in the front and, and, you know, like huge, huge tires in the back, the drag radials in the back and the little pizza cutters in the front. Uh, it's just kind of a cool piece, but, um, so now there's this company called legendary GT continuation cars. Uh, they've spoken to Shelby American and did the licensing agreement, got everything in place to make some continuation cars. And, uh, they're going to start off as uh, like aluminum, um, uh, aluminum bodied uh, uh, Shelby Roadsters from uh, Shelby American, the CS CSX 2000 series, um, which was the original 289 chassis. Um, it's got, you know, uh, tube frame and it's going to have a 364 cubic inch engine, aluminum block, uh, Weber carbs on it should be about 500 horsepower. Um it's going to have a Tremec five speed in it. And uh, they're going to do the recreation of these things. Um, they're only going to do a handful of them. Smart. And they are going to be about $750,000 a piece. Wow. There you go. Yeah. But the real one was twice as much. So, you know, I like how, I like how you say that. <laughs> it was twice as much. Now we actually saw some success with this with like, Jaguar did like continuation cars. They did a handful of like the XKSS, right? Which is the car that's very famously in the Peterson Museum. Steve McQueen's car is in there. That McQueen car, I think, is somewhere worth like $30 million. So the XKSS is worth a lot of money. And then, I don't know, these continuation cars were like a million bucks or something like that. But you're like, I don't know. It's it's coming from Jaguar Classic. So it's basically coming from the manufacturer. And it's the authorized continuation replica and it's a million bucks, but you know, but the real car is worth so many millions more. And I think one of them ended up, one of the continuation cars ended up trading at like a Gooding and RM and, and did well, like it, it pulled a couple million bucks. I mean, don't, don't quote me on the exact amount, but more than the purchase price is, is like, this is where we are. It's like a good, a good reproduction, you know, also authorized and licensed and whatever of a $30 million car is worth arguably a couple of million bucks. Right. Now when you get into things like the Cobra, it's, it's a little weird because there are so many replicas out there and there are so many different kits and, everything from factory five to superformance and everybody in between. Um, so there's not a lot of XKSS replicas out there because no. just making the thing and it's all, it's all a big, it's all a big pain in the ass. But anyway, uh, this is kind of a cool piece. Um, uh, you know, $750,000 is a lot of money. Probably want to have the real one. <laughs> Probably. Yes. Um, uh, or, you know, or you just, I don't know. I guess it makes it pretty unique. Um, anyway, uh, and speaking of Steve McQueen, in 2020, Steeda Mustang teamed up with Chad McQueen to make the the Steve McQueen Special Edition Bullet Mustang. Steeda, it was on the green cars, and then Steeda did their suspension and some interior adjustments and uh, uh, 
they did a big uh, Highland Green Whipple supercharger on the thing, and it made boatloads of power. It was like 800 horsepower, and it was a cool piece. Um, we had it when we did like a car cast live a few years ago uh, at the Peterson Museum. Um, they brought that car out and had it on display there. It was, it was just cool. So I guess uh, – that did well. Um, so now uh, Steve uh, Chad McQueen and his and I believe his son um, have put together McQueen Racing, and Steeda has teamed up with McQueen Racing to bring you the Steeda and McQueen Racing uh, uh, twenty twenty four special edition car. Now in twenty twenty, it was started with the Mustang Bullet, and then the Bullet ended, and we got the Mach one. Right now. For 2024, I don't think we're going to get a bullet. So they're going to do their version of it. So McQueen Racing and Steeda. And of course, all the photos you see online are the previous car. What they're talking about is the new Mustang, the 2024. But, uh, you know, Steeda is top notch. Um, I've been fans of them forever. I got Steeda stuff on my Mach 1. Back when I was in high school, uh, we used to go over by Steeda all the time, buy a bunch of their parts. They've established their stuff as a, as a top quality company with a with a lot of racing history, and they got a track I think in Georgia, and um, they're anyway uh, solid company in the Mustang world. They're kind of as close as you can get to uh, a Lingenfelter, in my opinion, as far as reputation and quality. Now, I'm not saying Roush or Celine or anything because they're technically um, qualified as manufacturers, but as a tuner. Um, I think Lingenfelter, I think Steeda, I think those guys are are, are high up in the ranks. But um, anyway, it seems like a cool piece. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. What do you think? I think uh, wrapping it up for today. I've got to get on a got to get on another call. We've got a beverage yeah. company to run. <laughs> I got to go start pimping out my son to colleges. So, yeah. 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 Make some calls. Get on the phone. <laughs> I've been doing all morning, kid. Oh. Uh, uh, thanks for listening to me ramble about hood pins <laughs> for uh, 40 minutes, but uh, I appreciate good, it. I'll, I'll put some photos up uh, on my Instagram so you guys can check that out. But uh, awesome. Um, anything else? No, man, not a thing. Just a uh, uh, drive shaft ish- issue on the twin turbo. <clears throat> yeah. We'll talk about that next week after yeah. I figure well, out what it is. It wasn't an issue until you put twin turbos on. So I... <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't an issue until I drove it in the parade the other day. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah, okay. it's all good. It's all good. I lift uh, it back home. All right, guys. Uh, until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com.